Hi, and welcome to the Unashamedly Human podcast, a podcast created to help you get out of your head and into your life. That is, if you want to have more fun, freedom, happiness, peace of mind, and success whilst squeezing the juice out of every area of your life. Join Jackie Ford every Thursday and listen in to her warm Scottish tones, wise heart and wonderful sense of humour as she interviews guests and discusses what it means to be unashamedly human. Hi everyone and welcome to the Unashamedly Human podcast. It's very early in the morning for my guest today. Um, David Westerman is an interesting man. I'm going to tell you what I know of David. I've never actually met him in person, but he's recently married, has a beautiful daughter. And every time I see what Genevieve and and David and and the daughter are up to, it always brings a smile to my face and a glow to my heart because it's very, very obvious they're living an ordinary life, but having an extraordinary experience of that life together. And there was just such a lovely feeling from his Facebook posts and, you know, the, the joy that I can see in their faces. I thought I just really, really wanted to interview you, David. So thank you for being a guest on the, the Unashamedly Human podcast. Yes, bright, bright and early over here, like you mentioned. <laughs> David, will you tell people what you, what you do? How, how do you make a living? Uh, well, I am a coach. So uh, amongst being a husband and a daddy 24 seven, uh, I do coach people. I, I've been coaching for, I mean, roughly almost 25 years. Mm. So it's just been in different capacities. So coaching was always just something that I did. It was never something that I became or got interested in doing. It's kind of followed me throughout my career. So I, I guess the there's, I don't really have a a title, so to speak, because I, I just, I, and like I said, I never became a coach. It was just something that I did. But I think a few, a few ways of calling it, mental and performance coaches, one way of describing it. Uh, I work predominantly with men, so I've been called a men's coach. Um, <laughs> and really just kind of like what you're talking about is just really pointing people back to their true nature. Uh, it's And it's always kind of related to high performance, uh, just from the background that I have, uh, relationships, uh, I guess, parenting now, you know, mm-hmm. that's the, that's <laughs> the new thing that I actually have some practical experience in, mm-hmm. but it, it all kind of envelopes the same thing. So no matter what someone has come to me for, uh, uh to the best of my ability at that time, I have, or my clarity at that time, mm-hmm. I, I would point people back in this direction. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's kind of a snippet of, of, of what I've been doing. No, it's lovely. It's, it's very succinct, actually, very succinct. <laughs> you know, David, you spoke earlier before we started the podcast and we were speaking about all sorts of ideologies about how people wake up to life, how they wake up to their true nature. What happened to you? Um, well, it, I don't think it was uh, one event, so to speak, but th- there's been some pinnacle moments in my life where I uh, woke up, so to speak, mm. or or another way of saying it is I realized who I wasn't. Yeah. Oh God, I love that. Who I wasn't. Yeah, and I I think that has kind of been the track for me because of my uh, uh, not anti, so to speak, but to the the world of 
just talking a bunch of good words, but not really living it. Yeah. So uh, just for many years, I, I've always kind of been on my own in a way from a, what am I experiencing right now? And mm-hmm. rather than remembering what someone said or writing down or quoting others, uh, uh, and I'm sure I'm guilty of that as well, but uh, I've seemed to always come back to like, what is my direct experience? Mm-hmm. And for a long time, I think I was such a strong advocate of what I would call my own direct experience that I was probably missing some pieces of that because mm-hmm. I wasn't listening so much to others. When uh, I began to listen better, I actually started to see that, well, all of these experiences, you know, what we would call a separate experience really have a lot of commonalities. Mm. And that to me is the, has been the tracing of that, of who I'm not, but so to speak, who I am. Cause that's all that's left. Um, but the, the kind of answer a uh, more of a pivotal moment, uh, I've had two really, I would say like that just come to mind right away. And both of them kind of came around. Uh, I had such a strong identity identity of, uh, being uh, an athlete mm-hmm. up until a certain age. Like that's, I didn't even realize how strong that was. That's all I ever knew. And, I remember I, I had a physical problem where I wasn't able to play anymore, a, a vision problem. And, and it, it all kind of uh, hit me one night where I realized that I wasn't, uh, I played baseball mm-hmm. in the United States. Uh, and I was like, I wasn't a baseball player anymore. And it wasn't until that moment that I realized like, Oh my God, my whole identity, who I, mm-hmm. who I thought I was, was this baseball player. My whole entire future that I projected out had something to do with being a baseball player. And I remember uh, not knowing who I was and getting that sense. And it was such a scary sense followed by such a liberation. But of course, not long after that, uh, a new identity came. Well, if I'm not a baseball player, I am this. And that was kind of one of the first times where I I really experienced such a a deep uh, revelation. Like I said, who I wasn't, but as you know, you talk about as well as thought kind of created an entire new identity that I had to start mm-hmm. fitting in. And, and then of course that happened multiple times throughout my life. But the, the second, uh, I would say very pivotal like, uh, shift where I kind of hit my edge of something was about, I think about four years now we're, we're pushing. And that was the first time I really wanted to end my life. And uh, uh, long story short, I had a, a, a relationship in a kind of a family and I was going through, I was going through a, a breakup and mm-hmm. it wasn't just a breakup in the relationship. It was kind of like a whole family that was felt like it was being removed from me. Mm-hmm. And it got so strong that for the first time in my life, I actually really wanted to end myself. Like, and I uh, got very close to doing that without getting into details. And what I remember, uh, during that experience was it got so strong that those thoughts and those feelings, uh, and this is when I kind of shifted from it, those didn't go away yet. I knew it wasn't those thoughts or feelings. Mm-hmm. And that was probably the, 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 the key, the, the big shift for me uh, in all aspects of my life where I didn't replace that with a new identity. Now, of course, yes, I, we said it earlier, I call myself a dad, a, mm-hmm. a husband, 
a coach and all that, but those are actually concepts to me now more than new roles that I'm supposed to somehow fill in. Mm. Those were probably two key pivotal moments where like two things that were so important to me Mm-hmm. that I had, I kind of got to the edge of, so to speak. And one where I just wanted to end everything. But I, I think it was the second uh, moment where I really saw, like I was not those thoughts and feelings because they were still coming. Mm-hmm. And I actually experienced probably the the worst depression I ever had for about, I would say about three, three to four weeks after that. Mm-hmm. But there was something in me that knew I was fine, even though the experience of depression was happening, mm-hmm. right? There, there was some kind of uh, separation from what we would call, you know, different experiences. It, it was coming back to uh, the experience of myself, who was, who's always been there, mm-hmm. who's never changed, right? Who doesn't have a, a beginning and an end, who doesn't have, uh, you know, a certain set of feelings when he's this way and that way, those were all just kind of one, one thing happening, one energy happening in my life. And yeah, that's probably, uh, probably as much as I can say about that right now. Mm. It's a really, really lovely story. And, and thank you for sharing that, David. It's so common, isn't it? For, for people as we're growing as we're growing older, we try on all sorts of identities and masks. You know, I call it playing dress up because, you know, we get all these little opportunities like kids trying on, a little boy trying on a party dress, you know, and being told to take it off or a little girl wearing her tutu. That it's part of our, our human condition to want to do these things, to try. We're always trying to figure out who we are. Right. Where we fit into the world. So I, I love what you said about, you know, filtering by who you're not. You know, because that, that reminds me of, of like my husband and I, Jerry, when we go out for a meal, I filter everything by what, what I'm not or what I don't want. And he filters everything by, you know, the menu by what he would like to eat. So I've always chosen what I want very quickly. <laughs> I know what I don't want whereas it takes forever to choose something to eat because it all looks great and and if you think about sort of being human when we filter by everything that we want overwhelm can happen Mm. yeah yeah I it's interesting uh when, when I was saying about uh, and you just repeated that about knowing who I'm not. Mm-hmm. I kind of alluded to it already. It was like, well, what what has always been there? Mm. And some people might call it God, consciousness, awareness, whatever word I would I would call it myself, but mm-hmm. but not the self that uh, who's aging, not the one who's going in and out of relationship or who has a child now, mm. uh, it, it's the self that's always there. The, the one who always knows of experience. And w- without that, you know, like, again, without that awareness, then those experiences, would not even, we wouldn't even know they're happening, right? So it's like, w- what's the constant there? And that's kind of what I uh, was alluding to earlier. I touched upon that when I wanted to end my, end my life. Yeah. Because I saw, well, I'm not my thoughts and feelings, but 
what is this constant? What is this always there? Who's always here? Who's untouchable, so to speak, yeah. right? right? Who, who's never truly been affected by what we may call events along a timeline. And that is, doesn't remove the experience of what you just said, like overwhelm mm. or, or any of the feelings. It just brings me back to that the, the human condition itself is limited, but I'm not limited to the human condition. That's mm. kind of what I heard when you said that. Yeah, I love that. That's a really <laughs> quote that get that up on your Facebook wall if you remember what you've just said. If you're anything like me, you won't. <laughs> I probably won't, but I remind me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But but it is. I mean, if more people understood that, David, what would you think would happen? Uh, it'd be worth finding now, mm. uh, for sure. I mean, we. You know, we have a, a one-year-old right now and it's, you know, most parents, you know, they, they talk about how crazy it is. And, you know, I mean, I was walking her around the house about five and a half hours ago, helping <laughs> her go back to sleep. And, you know, it, there's so many, you know, and you know better, you have three grown-ups, so you know, you know, the whole experience of it. It's, it's everywhere. It's, yeah. it's messy. It, you know, things are everywhere. We forgot something to clean or turn off the stove. Mm-hmm. And, but it really is when, when I come back to what we're just, what we were just saying, it, it's the easiest thing in the world because I don't have to teach her. When I say I, uh, Genevieve and I, mm-hmm. my wife, we don't have to teach our daughter really anything. I mean, I do prevent her from flying off the bed probably two or three times a week. And, you know, and we have to feed her and change her diaper and all that. But really it's, it's not teaching her to be an identity, to be someone. It, it really is just remembering who she is. And the only way I know to do that practically is remembering who I am. And, and it, and it, it truly is one of the same. So that doesn't mean there's not craziness, like I said, you know, or I get three and a half hours sleep, but it, there's something about realizing it from that place versus being in that limited space of the human condition, which I would call, and dealing with all the variable thoughts and feelings and projections about the future or mm-hmm. how other people should be around my child. You know, it, it, it's humbling because I, it always comes back to realizing that we keep saying is who we're not, but in the essence, realizing who we truly are. And mm-hmm. it, there, there's something pretty spectacular about that. Yeah. I wish you could see David's face just beaming absolute love as he talks about his family. It's, it's really, it's really lovely to see. And that, you know, you've said, you know, remembering who you're not and that deep sense of everything's always okay. It's always okay. And, and bringing yourself back to that space to be able to, 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 to live life on your terms instead of being a, a victim to your circumstances or a victim to, you know, whatever thoughts are flying through your head. Now, are you always like that, David? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no way. Uh, but the thing is, is that it, it really doesn't matter how often I'm like that. Mm. because it it's not 
some kind of shield that prevents the circumstance from making me feel a certain way. It's coming back to realizing at some point uh, that the circumstance was truly never the cause of my experience. Mm-hmm. So there's a difference between creating another block or another, like prevent, you know, preventing something from happening, so to speak, to realizing that it, it, in essence, this is, this is kind of the track I bring people along through a, a conversation is, is you start to realize that, well, in essence, that really never happened to you. And right. We're going back to the constant, right. Going back to who's always there. So the, the, the removal of who you're not, so to speak. And when I, the way I look at that now is really, that's just the expiration. Uh, it's you're investigating what looks so real. And as you investigate that and seeing the nature of that, all that's left is you. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's in essence, kind of, I don't, we don't really have a parenting style <laughs> though. You might, if you were to watch us, you'd think we're crazy, mm-hmm. but that, that, that really is what it comes down to. And that's not necessarily just parenting. That's any relationship, right? That's coaching. That's uh, making breakfast and mm-hmm. getting set up for this call with you. Yeah. I love that. It, you know, when you were, you were saying that David, what came to me was, you know, human being is both the form and the formless. The human mm-hmm. is my form on this earth. The being right. is my spiritual nature. It's it's who I am, as you see, at my core, it's the constant. And reminding myself of that over and over again, that it doesn't matter what's going on. I always know that I'm okay. You know, and, and parenting, you know, sort of three daughters, when I came across this understanding, my daughters were teenagers and it was so helpful. <laughs> it was incredibly helpful, you know, with all the, the scrapes and, you know, sort of things that happened to them during during that period. And I didn't formally teach my, my girls, you know, anything that I knew. I just, I lived from this space so it was when something happened to them and I didn't react in the way they thought I might react, but I responded. I responded right. with love and I responded with understanding. You know, when you're picking up a, you know, a, a teenage daughter who's as drunk as a skunk, you know, on a sidewalk or whatever. But, but just, you know, feeling love and seeing this other soul who's just on her journey. And you're so right about this not stopping ourselves or anyone else from having an experience because that's where the growth comes from. That's where the learning comes from, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, and I, I don't think you have to go to an extreme of experience, kind of like what I shared with mm-hmm. wanting to end things. Mm-hmm. But I find that uh, working with professional athletes to people who had some neurological damage where they were told they would never walk again, that, that very often the people at the extremes of things often uh, realize in their own way, the kind of the, the limitation of that human experience, meaning they know there's something beyond that. Mm. Right. And, mm. and I've seen it many times where it, they're like, this can't be it. And, 
sure there's there's still some layers to remove there to come back to come back to what they're truly seeing Mm -hmm. because very often we automatically look back out out the world Mm -hmm. as the cause but uh to really just keep coming back to that place uh through the through investigation through exploration kind of what we're talking about Mm -hmm. uh i don't have to so far i don't have to worry about my one-year-old being drunk yet (laughs) I, i I'm not worried about it. Oh, God, no. And we were never yeah. worried about that either. You know, we just, yeah. you know, it's going to happen. So when it happens, you you deal with it, don't you? You just, you just go on with it. You're, you're NLP trained, am I right? You've studied NLP. I've never taken any formally trained NLP courses. Okay. It's just some words you've used and, you know, it's made me think, oh, there's there's something, you know, you've, you've looked in that direction. It's obviously just an inherent thing. You mentioned something there, and I just, I, I'd love to explore it. You, you mentioned that, you know, you maybe work with athletes who have maybe had some kind of neurological damage and, you know, they're, they're, they've been told things by the medical profession about their recovery and about their journey, etc. How often do you see that people hypnotize themselves or are hypnotized by other people's language of how they think they're going to be after some kind of event like that. Mm. Yeah. So the one distinction, um, so I, uh, what I said earlier was working for everyone from professional athletes to people who mm. are having neurological. So mm. the people with the, the, the neurological damage ne- weren't necessarily professional athletes. Okay. Thank you. Just to make that distinction. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'll tell you a, a quick story. When I was uh, 23, so that was about 16 years ago, mm-hmm. to get my age, I guess, uh, I had someone come in to see me with a, uh, a specific type of, uh, of M, it's called MS, mm-hmm. and there's multiple forms of that. Mm-hmm. Well, at that age, I, I had never heard of it, uh, but I was so naive that I, that I knew if anyone who walked in the door that I could be of some kind of value to them. Mm-hmm. And she told me the name of them and I listened and well, long story short, uh, again, not knowing what, what it really, what it was, we had a very successful session together and uh, she was walking better and less pain. And, and there's a, a multiple of other things. Well, I went home and I don't remember if uh, Wikipedia was the, around that whatever it was by google and uh still and i remember writing the name of the thing she had and uh and i read all the contradictions and all the limitations and and i remember uh thinking my vividly sitting in front of the computer and i i said well thank god i didn't read this before i i worked <laughs> with her and yeah. that was kind of my uh, uh experience of what you're saying right there where I, I didn't, I didn't, not only did I not have a name for it, I didn't even know what it was to be honest, but it, I, there was no limitation that I was potentially putting forth on my uh, client at the time. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, over the years that continued on where I learned more about that stuff, but there was something about that experience that kind of kept me from labeling things and, telling them what they could or couldn't do because I, I didn't, I, I knew I truly didn't know. Mm-hmm. Right. So that, 
was kind of off the table pretty early on. Um, but I, you know, it's, it's interesting when I'm reflecting as you're, uh, as you said that, and it still comes back to what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it, it's funny because I, I don't I don't really work in that line of working where people mm-hmm. even hearing you ask that question and talking about it, it's like I don't I, I you would never be come back to this same place over and over and over yeah and that really is uh, who you are you know mm-hmm. like that unwavering that untouchable nature that's always there mm-hmm. that regardless of the human condition if you want to call it that this doesn't mean we discount that but i say you can't discount who someone truly is by focusing on whatever label they have or whatever someone has told them or imposed upon them about their limitations or potential Mm -hmm. does does that make sense oh it makes absolute sense to me david And, and it's this whole thing about you know i often get clients coming to me and they'll say oh my anxiety or my depression or my diabetes or you know this self-identification with a label or a concept Mm -hmm. until they know their true nature can often keep them stuck yeah it gives someone the illusion that they're stuck well it gives the absolutely it gives them the illusion that they're stuck sorry i was seeing it from the, the client's perspective there And that always fascinates me how our everyday language can can hold us in a space that isn't true, isn't truth. It's just a thought that is running through your mind in that particular moment that you're you're just adding your awareness to and, and you know, spending time with. I, I, I had a, an experience last night and I, I had a client before you and I, and I can't stop laughing about it. You know, it, it was like um, a, a relationship that, for me, it was a relationship that, that is, is kind of sort of run its course. And I was talking out loud to myself because I was in the house by myself and I was talking out loud and I was saying things like, yeah, but I thought you blah 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 yeah but I thought you blah 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 and then yeah I thought you cared and then I thought oh my god can you hear yourself I thought (laughs) and I couldn't stop laughing because I could see the conceptual basis of the emotional state that I was in based on you know just just what I was saying out loud to myself it became so visible Right, right. Well, you said it perfectly earlier about your daughters. Is that mm. you never, you never formally taught them. No, because you, you you can't point in a direction that you haven't directly experienced. Mm. Right. Mm. So that's kind of what I'm hearing you say. Yeah. It's, it, the the words, it's like they 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 don't matter when you see it, but. Uh, it, for as long as someone believes they are what they think and feel mm-hmm. and they're this variable nature, uh, the effect of the world, well, words and language are going to seem very significant. Yes. So, yeah. right. And that doesn't mean we, we don't say things uh, uh, in, in a way that alludes to this nature, but again, it goes back to mm-hmm. what's the direct experience mm-hmm. because without that direct experience, 
it doesn't matter what you write down. It doesn't matter what you remember. It doesn't matter how you say something. No. Right. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. But I love these moments where something becomes visible and it's, it's funny that it becomes visible instead of it being something that I judge myself about. It's just funny. Right. Right. Mm. You see the nature of it, right? Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. So, where are you now, David? Where are you now in your life and, and where you're going? Well, that's a loaded question. Uh, I will, I know for a fact that I will be making, uh, warming up milk here in about 45 minutes. I do know that. <laughs> Got to think past that. That's, uh, it seems, it seems forever. Um, no, I'm, I'm continuing coaching, uh, that's just something that I've, that I always do, but it, but it's not separate from what I would call my, you know, parenting and being a husband and Mm -hmm. exploring. Uh, I've been writing uh, a book now off and on for the past year and a half. And that, that will come to some form. It's hopefully soon Uh, that is in the works. Um, Really, I'm just here and here and now with, and enjoying my my life yeah it, it, and not as, as as a better option to doing other things it's just what i'm doing yeah i know you answered the loaded question because that's what i knew you would say about being in the here and now being in the moment letting life not letting because we can't let life do anything life does it anyway it flows right. through us and we respond or we react accordingly in the now. Yeah. And I, I'll say one point on that. Um, we, we've kind of touched upon it is that, so when I say uh, it, being in the here and now, that, that's, that can sound like something that you can do. Mm. Like, like it's an activity, like, okay, oh, that's what I'm going to do instead. That's why I, I try to make the point about it's not necessarily, it's not that it's an option. It's just what's happening. Mm-hmm. Being in the here and now is, is coming back to who I truly am mm. or, or realizing who I'm not. Like we said, yeah. because, uh, as we trace back in that direction, I, well, there it's timeless. Yeah. There's no beginning and there's no end. So we realized through practical experience that we were talking about is that's all there is here and now. So the, there's something about, well, how do I get there? Because I tell you what, that was uh, that was a goal of mine for many, many. And if someone said I was present, I was like, yes, I'm doing the I'm doing the work, you know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that's the comical part about it, right? It, it's yeah. it, it's not stopping at the idea of it. It's actually exploring the nature of it, like you've talked about, mm. and inevitably uh, you will touch upon that and. Uh, often through conversation like this or with a loved one, uh, you'll be reminded of that. Mm-hmm. And, and in our own way, we realize that. Mm-hmm. Our Kurt Tolley talks a lot about presence. Mm-hmm. Being present. Oh God, I love, love listening to our Kurt Tolley because of his lightheartedness, but also because of his deep understanding of presence. And I was, you know, a couple of years ago, um, I popped into a, a, a needle linguistic programming conference 
And I noticed that as I came in the door, the facilitators were all holding a state, an emotional state of presence. There was a doing, you know, a doing to get them there. And I'd just been at a Three Principles conference where the vast majority of people were just naturally present. And it's looking at those two different um, showing up of being present. One where there was a lot of mental energy and the other where there was a lack of mental energy just to settle into that space. I guess you do. You can feel that from your clients, can't you? When someone is, and obviously in yourself as well, when you are doing presence and when you are in that space. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 the the way I can put it into words is, it, it's the experience of some sense of dissolving that you know there only is a here and now, right? Mm-hmm. And there's just like I'm looking at you on the screen here, and it's like I I see you and I see me up in the corner, but. Uh, you know, the analogy, it's like, but we're kind of, we're part of the same screen here. Mm-hmm. Like I can't separate the two. Mm-hmm. Right? And there, there's just something about coming back to that at some point, because uh, trying, like you said, trying to be present and all that mental energy is, well, of course, someone else can sense it because that's what they're experiencing as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if I'm seeing someone that I have to be present to, well, I'm seeing them as something separate. So of course that's going to be a lot of work. If, if, if I'm having to work at being present because I have to feel a certain way, like you just said about going into that room, a certain emotional state, well, it's going to make sense that, well, I I have to do something, Mm -hmm. but it's not about being present to what I'm thinking and feeling. It's, seeing that all of that is part of the same substance, right? Yeah, yeah, it's all part of the same pie. Someone said something to me, um, one of my guests in the show, I can't remember who it was, and I just loved what, what she said. And she said, it's not about meeting people where they are, it's knowing who they are. And I just, I was like, yeah. And that's what you're pointing to, knowing how we all work, knowing how we're all creating our own experience in the now. You can't be separate from another person. And if you are separate from them, it means that you're just caught up somewhere in your your being in that moment. But you can sense that and then fall back into that space again of being. Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. So uh, what? That was a beautiful summary. What uh, your guest said there, I, I can't say any better. So, but I'm going to add up. I would add up <laughs> part is that it. If separation looks like something that I need to, you know, or I, I need to connect with someone, or mm. uh, I need to listen better, or I need to be present to them, well. In, in that reality, that, that's, that's a variable regardless. And it, who, who we truly are, and we, we haven't really, you said the word love. I think that's the only time we said the word in this podcast, but 
to me, the, the, how it's shown up is that, well, if there seems to be an opposite of love, well, then I'm not looking in, in the right direction. Right. Mm-hmm. Or another word you can say presence, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not even that there can be uh, someone separate, right? That's all part of the same pie. I think you I think it was the words you said. So that's why connecting, aligning, listening, being present to none of that makes sense Mm. when we're looking in in this direction. Right. Mm. Mm. So it's, it's, it's not even um, uh, debatable in a sense, if we have a direct experience, Mm -hmm. right. Because Mm at some point we see that layer kind of fall off or we see the illusion of that. That, When I say illusion, it it has a reality, but it's temporary and Mm -hmm. who we truly are is not temporary. No, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Now there's something I've wanted to ask you for a long time. Um, and I hope you'll share it with, with, with the listeners. My husband and I, we met and married within five months. We just knew we were meant to be together. Tell yeah. me about how you and Genevieve met. Um, so we met in, uh, actually at a, I guess it would be considered a three principles conference, mm-hmm. the One Solution event mm-hmm. in Oslo. And yeah, we, that was 2016 and that was summer of 2016 and we, yeah, we were married about eight months later, I think. <laughs> yeah. So, but the, basically uh, it, it wasn't uh, like, you know, this instant connection where, Oh my God, I, this is, I see my life ahead of me. Mm-hmm. It, it was so ordinary. Yeah. And so basic. So, mm-hmm. It, it it probably wasn't even worth like a journal entry. You, you know what I mean? Where you have to remember this. It, mm-hmm. And that doesn't take away from the extraordinariness of, uh, of what we have. But you kind of said at the very beginning, like we, we live a very ordinary life, yet it's, it's quite extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we met in Oslo and, uh, and that's that's all she wrote. I mean, it was it was pretty effortless. I mean, mm-hmm. we lived in different countries, of course, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I I I guess I can't go into too many details, or she'll she'll slap me. But uh, <laughs> but there there was an aspect where I I I just knew where when that when she came here that she wasn't she wasn't leaving mm. and two months later we're married so yeah and, and, we, and then we found out we were we were expecting uh, mm-hmm. our daughter Kehlani that's beautiful I, I I love again what you're pointing there too David is is that when you know you know there's an absence of effort there's an absence of drama there's an absence of trying to make things work because it just does yeah, exactly. And like we said earlier, there there is a dissolving of the of of a separation, right? Mm-hmm. And that's falling in love. So it wasn't a falling in love with certain characteristics or yeah. personality traits, which which her which my wife has are absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. 
and mm-hmm. I adore her. But uh, that doesn't mean I don't say all that st- good stuff. But I, <laughs> fundamentally, you know, it's yeah. it's a dissolving of that illusion of separation, and all that's all that's there is love. And from that love, we, you know, we created a child, and her middle name is love. Mm-hmm. So, not to remind her, not to remind her, but to remind us. <laughs> That's beautiful. Um, David, thank you so much for being a guest on the Unashamedly Human podcast. It's been an absolute delight to speak with you.